and welcome to Dungeons and Drama Nerds, a podcast exploring the intersection of theater and tabletop role-playing games. This week, we'll feature a game of Bluebeard's Bride. Be advised that this game contains sex, gore, and themes of gendered violence. For specific content warnings, please check the show notes. Okay, so uh, I believe it was the witch who had the ring um, when we left that room and proposed uh, that we were still faithful to Bluebeard. Um, who did you want to pass the ring to, witch? Bro. <laughs> Let's go, mom. All right, mother. Where would you like to go? Or if you don't know of a specific room, you can just describe a, a key that is uh, appealing to you and we can fill it out from there. So I think the appropriate response would be to describe a key. And the key that I would describe has a swan's neck. It moves in and out. It is simultaneously open and vulnerable while also being incredibly protected and guarded. So that is how I would describe the key for the room that we are entering into. Fantastic. Um, You find um, a door that matches that key. Uh, this pretty, uh, pretty ornate door, um, but that also looks like it might break if you breathe on it the wrong way. The room beckons, you enter, and the door closes behind you. And you are um, what you can guess is a tea room. Um, and immediately as you enter, you, you feel like you are sort of being surrounded intensely on all sides by these China hutches. I don't know if you know these like old school China hutches, um, that would definitely, if they fell over would kill you, but they're all like filled to the brim with China. And it's the type of room that if you breathe too hard on it, like, whew, like it could just all go crashing down, um, very easily. And it's, like I said, on all sides, you also see, um, a, a birdcage um, that looks like it's empty. It's definitely empty. Um, it looks a little bit like the birdcage that Animus uh, gave uh, to Bluebeard, but it doesn't have any birds within it. It is also missing uh, a few spokes, a few of the metal spokes within it. Um, in the center of the room, you see a couch um, and a table that is made up for tea service. And again, this couch um, looks like one of those old school, like, fumpy couches. Um, this is a podcast. I should describe what fumpy means. Um, but like a little bit of a, like a, a female hip kind of fumpy. Like, you know, like, I can't, I can't describe it. Somebody give me a word for what that is. A fainting couch. Thank you. It's a fainting couch. <laughs> Um, but it's got like some sexy curvature on it. Um, but it also is like, it supported itself on like the tiniest two little, little feet you've ever seen. So again, everything in this room, um, looks like it might, might fall or break if you just breathe in the wrong way. Um, what would you like to do? I want to take a closer look at that bird cage, investigate it. Yeah. Ask your first question. Um, Whose item is this? When you get closer to this birdcage, you do see that it is made out of like sort of an unusual material. It doesn't have any creatures within it. There's not even any um, remnants of a creature that used to be in it. Um, But you get like this sense uh, when you touch it and immediately when you touch it, you get this like chill that runs up and down your spine of like, 
of not good and specifically these like missing spokes. Um, and as you're sort of looking at these missing spokes and where they are, you hear a really, really sharp voice behind you that says wrong. Okay. Um, well, I still, I want to know why Bluebeard kept this item. I'm going to ignore that wrong voice. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, you can ignore that for sure. Um, uh, why did Bluebeard keep this item? As you're sort of looking at it, and also I'm assuming uh, continuing to investigate it and ignoring all of these like scary ghosts that keep popping out of this house, um, you get this sharp pain um, underneath your fingernail. Um, almost as if one of these little tiny spokes that is missing um, is being um, ever so carefully uh, inserted underneath the nail bed. And you hear again, wrong. I think this is the moment that I want to uh, seize control and caress a horror. Great. So you turn and you see um, a very intimidating looking uh, nun type figure um, who is is standing um, near the tea service um, and she is staring at you uh, and you you kind of shake off this like finger thing. Um, you can still feel like it was there, but it's gone. And you see within her hands, she has those those spikes. How would you like to caress her? I think that the best way to caress her is going to be to caress the hand holding the object of punishment. So whatever hand is holding on to either the spool or the crack of the whip or whatever it is, whatever hand that has access to the source of pain, that is the hand that I am going to caress. And would you like to say anything as you do that? I think what I'm going to say is the lesson has been learned. Okay. I'll go ahead and roll uh, for caress a horror plus blood. That is going to be five plus one. Great. Um, so she snatches your hand and grips it very tightly. And she says, beg to differ. And she begins to take um, the, the spikes from this, um, from this birdcage that she's clearly broken off. And she begins to insert it underneath your fingernail, mark one trauma. And then you uh, will pass the ring. I am going to pass the ring to the anima. I want to cry out for help. Great. <laughs> um, what do you say when you cry out for help? Um, I think it's just a pretty standard, I need help. Someone, 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 you know, someone come, please. All right. Roll um, plus resilience. Um, seven. Seven. Fantastic. Um, so... Uh, this uh, this woman who is inserting these things into your fingernails um, is sort of looking at you menacingly as you cry for help. And then instantly she's gone, completely disappeared. And you just have this like the inkling of your, your fingernail being like lifted up as um, Henry um, enters into the room and he says, you called. Um, 
Henry, what is going on in this house? What, why, I, I did call. There was somebody here sticking nails into my fingernails. Um, I, do you know what's going on in this house? They vanished right when you entered. He looks around the room and he looks at you and he says, I don't know what you're talking about, miss. Would you like to sit down and have tea? I would love to sit down and have tea. Yes, I do feel like I'm, I'm losing my mind a little bit. Very well. And he just sort of smirks at you. As, and he just says, by all means, sit. I'll and sit. You get, you're going to sit? And then you can pass the <laughs> ring because you cried for help. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pass it to the virgin. Um, so, yeah, there's this beautiful um, teapot that is on this table. Um, and it's, you know, reflecting all of these beautiful animals in these different tea sets. You can see that like the neck of it is kind of like that swan that you saw on the key earlier. Um, and it is already, even though it's been sitting here for some time, still boiling hot as, uh, as Henry, um, pours into the cup, um, and lets it, and lets it sort of steep. And then he goes back to standing, um, in the corner and just staring at you with a smile on his face. How are you, Henry? Very well, miss. That's nice. Is this a tense situation? I think so. Okay. Um, I would love to take stock. What horror here is hidden from the bride? As you're sort of looking at, at Henry and you're, you're getting a sense of this very suffocating room and you're seeing this like this smoke twirl out of the steam sort of circle out of your tea, you do get the sense that the room is like waiting for it all to come crashing in upon you. Um, and as you're sitting on this couch, you even feel like it can barely support you. Like you have to basically crouch without putting any weight upon it. And the way that Henry is looking at you, like you are completely unworthy and unstable, all of it is creating this um, not great feeling within you. And as soon as you uh, pick up your teacup to uh, have a first sip, he says, I will be on my way then if you need nothing else. Um, is he a horror? Uh, he's a servant. So you can, yeah, I mean, you can treat him like a horror. Cool. I, I'm good. Can I caress him? Absolutely, Virgin, you can caress that, that horror if that is something that you would like to do. Um, fantastic. So describe to me what you'd like to do. Um, I don't want Henry to leave because I'm pretty scared and he's at least another breathing person, at least I think. And so I grab his hand as he turns to leave and I kind of stroke his, the knuckles of his hand with my fingers and I say, please stay. Great. Go ahead and roll plus blood. Six plus two and my blood is zero. So eight. Okay. So, uh, he smiles at you as he sort of looks at your hand and he says, of course I will stay. I thought you would never ask. And then he takes one single finger and sort of strokes it down your face. And he says, quite an invitation you've given me. Would you like to lie down? No. I'd like to sit upright. <laughs> He looks at you sort of with like this cocked eyebrow situation going on. And he's just like, you've invited me into this room. You invited me to come into this room alone when there is nothing here. And you expect me to not 
stay, do not act as if I just transgressed when you clearly, clearly came onto me and he's already like pushing you backward down on the couch. Just through his physical presence, he's not touching you. Well, then I guess I'll lay down. Don't have to get so whatever you're getting. You did caress a horror, so you do get to um, pass the ring at this particular point in time. Great. I'm going to pass it to Mother. I feel like she'll know what to do. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, mother, what would you like to do? Um, Henri is not like hovering above you. He's still just like standing over the couch and just sort of like watching you um, as you lay down. I think that the best way to interpret this is going to be to investigate a mysterious object. And by investigating a mysterious object, I want to investigate Henri. I'm going to say that's not quite a good interpretation of the rules that I can honor. I want to so bad. I so badly want to do that. But I'm like, but he's not an object. Um, uh, I don't think that we can question the motivations of the servants. I think that opens a, a door to this game that it's not prepared for. Um, so uh, I understand. I respect. I honor. Yeah. <laughs> I want to like the reason why is because I like interpreted him as undead. Therefore, I interpreted him as being like an object within this world. Therefore, I wanted to like negotiate that. I hear you. So how about this? You can ask. I mean, you can ask these questions to him directly um, as he's like standing over you, watching you lie down on the couch. You can absolutely ask him one of those questions. Ooh, I like that. Uh, in that case. I'm going to ask, why did Bluebeard keep you around? He's delighted by your sudden switch of, uh, of interest in him. And he takes a finger and starts to like touch your toes and like start to like move it up your, your leg. And he says, because I'm a very, very loyal man to such a great man as Bluebeard. And he just sort of brings it up to your knee and it's just sort of circling your kneecap. And he goes, are you ticklish? And then immediately to the question of being ticklish, the mother sees all of that and immediately dirties herself with violence and disables him. All right, talk me through it. What are you trying to do? I think that the mother wants to twist his knee like do that whole like knee whip like when somebody puts their knee in their in your space you like go underneath and like whip it around I think that and like to pin him so that he is underneath the mother oh you're gonna try to like fully pin him pin him exactly Okay, fantastic. Go ahead and roll um, plus carnality. That's a six. So you whip your knee around and you try to get at him. And what you end up doing is sort of ineffectually kicking at him. And he just sort of looks at you and all of a sudden this great disdain comes over his face. And he says, Bluebeard and I like it better when you all just lie still. And he takes his leave of the room because he's so disgusted by you. So the door clicks shut. And even though he is able to leave freely, you know that you are not able to. And there's this ghostly calm over the room. 
that has taken over and you realize that you are lying on this couch still because you did not fully get up. That does feel like it cannot really support much weight period at all because it was made for a very, very dainty woman. Um, and you can feel it started to like shudder underneath you a little bit. And you also feel the walls shake as the nun comes back and she smacks you so fucking hard on your head. And she says, wrong, wrong. Take one trauma, pass the uh, ring. Don't make me clean up your mess again. Thank God. I'm passing the ring to the virgin. I can't. I'm so, I have two <laughs> trauma. I Great. Uh, virgin, what would you like to do? Um, so normally I wouldn't do this, but I'm really angry at getting hit in the head. And so I'm going to dirty myself with violence. Awesome. What do you want to do? I feel rage in myself that I have never felt before. And I stand up and I take and I just you look at my hand and I say, oh, yeah. And I actually push her with all my might. And I try to, to move her backwards from me. And that is very violent for me. OK, is that to, to disable, silence or mutilate? Like what's your what's your full intention? With the, disable. 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 Great. Yeah. All right. So go ahead and roll. And that's plus carnality. One plus four plus one. So six. Great. Um, Virgin, you're not so accustomed to violence. Um, and so as you try to stand up for yourself in this moment and you basically go, uh, and this is why this is why you ladies should not dirty themselves with violence because it is beneath you. Um, and this, uh, nun stands above you, uh, and just sort of looks at your ineffectual push and she smirks at you and she grabs you by the back of your neck and she throws you into the, um, hutch that's across the room and it comes crashing down upon you. Take two trauma. Yeah. And then pass the ring. I'm going to pass it to the witch who better <laughs> know what to do. Um, and the, I'll, I'll add that the nun is still saying wrong again. You're never going to be what he wants. Y'all make me clean up all your messes. I'm getting real tired of this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to say God damn it to the nun. Um, anyhow, moving on. Let's, let's see what we're going to do here. Okay, so... We just got a thing knocked on us. Did it break? Did we shatter into pieces? What are, what are, what's going on? Yeah. So the hutch did like, like, like it, you broke through the, the glass. And so all of the China has sort of fallen down. Um, it was a pretty big hit, um, you know, and like being thrown in their face first. I'm sure you're a little bit cut up and bruised. And this nun is still standing there and she's got her implements that can go under your fingernails. And she's also just looking um, very intimidating. And she says, sit um, towards the couch. Uh, Okay, so are there any big pieces, like, of the hutch? Sure. Like, if it's a china cabinet, like, is there, like, a... Absolutely, yeah. Great. Let's go for violence. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, what are you trying to do with your violence? I'm going to take this and just whack her over the head with it. In other words, silencing and disabling, technically, two for one, buy one, get one free. <laughs> um, 
but but really disable like you're just trying to get her out of your way and hopefully she'll be quiet as a or or would you rather her be quiet i'd like to knock knock her unconscious great okay um yeah so go ahead and roll plus carnality (laughs) okay so ready i don't think you're ready for this jelly oh big we got a 10 yeah um, so this, this nun who has been saying, uh, wrong again, um, and, you know, clearly trying to help you by the way, trying to improve you to be perfect and better and, and your best self, you do get her square across, uh, uh, across the, the nog as it were straight across the nog. Um, and you don't even get one of these negative, uh, side effects. So you can see that you have like landed a pretty good gash upon her head. And because it is a full success, she is unconscious. And as soon as she is gone, uh, as soon as she is down, uh, she's gone completely, completely gone to you. But you do see, um, this, this, uh, young woman who looks very dirty, not dirty, dirty is the wrong word. She looks some of the, the the horrors that you have seen in this house, you would describe as delicate, as frail, and as fragile, um, sort of more like you, um, more like a smaller type of person. This is a person who is bigger, um, got a wide shoulder, doesn't look delicate as the kind of person who would say, yeah, I'm a delicate fucking flower. Like, is that kind of person? Like, is definitely more of a, yeah, a rough and tumble, um, <laughs> unkept kind of person. And she oh, is good. perched... Um, very gingerly upon the couch. Um, I will say that you still you still see the glass everywhere. The hutch has still been knocked over. It's just the nun that's gone, and this new person is is sitting and trying not to um, move on this couch. And you dirtied yourself with violence, so then you get to pass the ring. Lit. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's go back to the virgin. <laughs> Okay, so I'm shocked that this has transpired and I, I, I immediately want to actually care for someone. I want to care for this person that looks um, su- like they're suffering. Um, so I, I, I look around and, you know, um, see that the, the water for the tea has cooled. And so I, I take some of that and um, dab it onto a napkin and approach this person, gently wipe their face with, with the cloth, the wet cloth. And you can see that she is still trying to stay perfectly fucking still. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just sort of like looks at you like through the side eye and you can tell that like there's something that's sort of like relief that's taking over her face and she goes is she gone is she gone gone yeah she's gone she's not here anymore and this person just sort of looks at you and she says but she'll be back you think she'll be back she's got to come back do you know who she is She's here to help me. How is she going to help you? I'm, I've got to learn to be small. That's what she says. That's what a good bride does. You learn to be small. And she goes back to sitting very, very, very still. And you can see as you get even closer that she has a number of those rods stuck in her fingernails. Whoa. I guess I'm going to just continue my... Uh, 
care and caress the horror, full on caress her. Fantastic. Um, um, how does that change? I'm going to attempt to take the rods out of her fingers or body, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you say anything? Yeah, I say, uh, I don't think you need to be small as I take, I attempt to take the rods out. Yeah. Um, go ahead and roll for uh, plus blood. Nine. Yeah. Word. <laughs> so um yeah it's um it's bloody it's it's clearly causes her pain she winces every single time you pull one um out um but eventually she is completely free of them and you can see like her release her tension in her shoulders and she uh she looks at you and um and gives you a very chaste and and well-meaning um i wouldn't even say chaste she gives you a very well-meaning kiss and she just says thank you um and then she she is gone, gone from the room. Uh, and that was uh, your ring move. So if you would like to pass the ring. Yeah, I'm going to blushily pass it to the Animus, to Animus. Animus, what would you like to do? This room now looks once again very still. Yeah, I want to propose a truth. I'm done with this room. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a room of terrible things. Well, I will say, you know, I was, I was, I was loyal to Blueberry for the previous two rooms, um, but my confidence is shaken. I don't know about this anymore. I'm, I'm unhappy. I'm this, this. Uh, I'm back to my anxiety about why didn't we consummate the the, the marriage? What? Why did? Where's? Where is he? What's going on? Um, and I'm starting to think that Henri was some, at the very least. <laughs> Um, Henri was some sort of like weird test. Um, uh, like, and, and because I know for like blue, there's no way that Bluebeard wouldn't be aware if that was sort of like Bluebeard must know about something about that. And that's, uh, disappointing and shocking and weird and scary. And I don't like it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to vote disloyalty. The mother agrees so wholeheartedly so passionately, so violently. The virgin hears you and I it just, I feel like Helene was a problem for one of the rooms and Andre is a problem in this room. The servants are obviously the worst and what we really need is a change in staff. It's not Bluebeard's fault. There is nothing here that shows that Bluebeard did anything. So I disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, excuse me, you don't think that your husband can manage his own staff? You do not think that the husband can manage the household? I think Clearly that the, he husband. doesn't know. I think he doesn't know. Why would he know? He's always away. And now as the wife that I'm going to tell him, we, we have a responsibility to tell him that the staff are acting awry because our reputation is on the line and he clearly doesn't know. We have to protect him. Um, with all due respect, uh, did you, A, did you not hear him say Bluebeard and I when he exited the room? Like, he implicated Bluebeard himself. And, like, that's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and also, um, every, you don't, th- again, you don't think, seriously, we've been here for one day. You don't think that if those servants are like that, you're, again, you're, you're strapping uh, the most wealthy, the most intelligent, the most powerful man. You don't think he knows what's going on in his own household? I don't know. I'm, I'm, no. Obviously, Andre was lying because if Bluebeard did know, then they wouldn't be working for him. I think that this is all just against him. 
And again, I feel like we should tell him that that's just my opinion. I am the virgin. (laughs) Henri is second in command. And if he cannot handle his second in command, he is not capable of being first in command. That's correct. Sorry, little girl, you handed the ring to me. And this is why it's because you couldn't make this choice. Uh, No, I don't know. I think I'm skeptical. I don't like I I don't like this. This is a token of disloyalty all the way. Fantastic. What are you going to take? Not to cut it short, if there's other people who want to chime in. Great. It feels like it feels like you all you all came to a consensus or not a consensus, but that Animus knows what Animus wants to do. (laughs) Um, What is your token of disloyalty, Animus? Um, I'm going to take one of those things that, uh, Virgin, like one of the rods that Virgin pulled out of the fingernails of the previous woman. Great. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, if it is a token of disloyalty, you are closer to proving that your unkind suspicions about your husband are true. Everyone mark one trauma. Woo. It's gonna get intense up in here. All right. Um, Animus, who do you want to pass the ring to? (laughs) I'm going to pass it to the mother. I think the mother was right on. We can get through this, maybe. All right, mother. Um, Pick a key, pick a room. I am tempted by a key that has a crown around its handle. This is specifically a key to the ceremonial throne room. It's what you believe to be the ceremonial throne room. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It's got yes, a crown obviously. on it. Yeah. It's got yeah, a crown. Yeah, there's not like an actual crown on it. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Um, great. Uh, so you find a room that matches um, that matches that key. Uh, you find a door. Um, uh, on the door is... Um, what looks to be like marks of champions, essentially, like these different, um, these different crowns and different modes of saying accomplishment. Um, and so what is the, what is the phrase? The room brecon, the room beckons, you enter and the door closes behind you. And what you are standing in is, um, a trophy room, uh, not a normal type of trophy room, a hunting trophy room. So all around the walls, you see dead animals, beheaded animals. Um, You see hunting rifle. You see one particularly ornate hunting rifle. Um, You see in the center of this room um, an empty uh, pedestal for uh, an animal that hasn't been stuffed. But it also looks like it's a smaller pedestal um, than the others. Um, On the far side of the room, you do see what appears to be a stuffed lioness. She is. in a an attack position, um, you also see a bear um, that is standing quite tall um, and trying to uh, maul. You also see uh, several dead doe um, and one dead buck. Uh, and then on the walls, you see just a number of heads, just a number of heads staring at you. You even see um, very quickly. You notice one that looks to be a dog um, in the far corner of the room. One that looks to be, at first glance, like George. So you get closer to it because that's terrifying. And it was just a trick of the light. Silly you. It wasn't George. It's just another dog that he's stuffed. Anyway, what would you like to do? Can I investigate? And by that, I mean take stock of 
what horror is hidden for the bride? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, what horror is hidden for the bride? So something that wasn't completely apparent to you when you first came in, probably because you were so distracted by this dog that was obviously not George. I mean, come on, like he wouldn't do that. Um, you do see on the other side of the room that there are a number of toys, which seems odd. Um, and it seems like there's two sets of toys. Um, it's like a, it's like toys that you would say are fairly masculine aligned toys, like some very aggressive, like soldiery toys. Um, and then you see like what appears to be a play set, uh, with more feminine toys in it. And they don't look so great. Um, Basically, what you're starting to see as you get closer to these toys is that a number of the female toys are strung up in different positions, as if they were taxidermied into a pantomime display. Um, But they're just toys. What would you like to do? Okay. They are just toys. And so, uh, seeing the fact that they are just toys, I am going to investigate this mysterious object. Why did Bluebeard keep this item? Hmm. As you're sort of looking at this toy set that does look like, you know, these little Barbie dolls, except not Barbie dolls, but something close to it that have been sort of looked like, for some reason, staged as if they're taxidermied, you hear um, giggles behind you. Um, two giggles, to be exact. <laughs> um, little boy giggles, to be extra exact. Uh, and you get another question. Okay, one more question. What memories do these items hold? I regret this question already. <laughs> um, great. So uh, the giggles turned into, Mommy, I want to cuddle. Um, and they're coming from behind you. These, uh, these, these two little, little voices coming behind you and they just keep saying things. (laughs) Um, like, I want to cuddle. I want to kiss. I want to play. Let's play, mommy. Let's play. Ramona, are you shivering from fear? You don't have to be. Remember, that's your call. Yes. A hundred (laughs) percent. One thousand percent. A million percent. (laughs) Yes. Yes, everything about this is making me shiver from fear. God damn it. Okay, so name the thing that you are most afraid will happen. And the groundskeeper will tell you how it's worse than you feared. Specifically, the bear is most terrified of one of these children attaching themselves to her breast and feeding from her. Great. Um, so as these two children kind of solidify in front of you, they do look rather ghostly and they are just so excited to see you. And they are just so happy and they're touching your face and they're touching your body and say, mommy, mommy, we're so happy that you're here. You're so happy that you're here. And they keep getting more and more intense as they're grabbing onto parts of you and climbing up your body and burying themselves into you. It's almost like they're trying to merge into you. And when you look down, oh my God, it's like they're merging into you. It's like, 
like they are literally their faces are melting into you as they're saying, mommy, we want to play. We want to eat, mommy. We want you. We want you entirely to ourselves um, as they are clawing at you. You get to keep the ring and choose two below or pass the ring and choose one. Passing this goddamn ring. (laughs) Passing this goddamn ring. Passing this goddamn ring to the animus. Passing it. Passing it. Okay. You still have to choose one. Uh, It infects the bride with its perversion. It has the bride in its clutches right now. It speaks to you. Take one trauma. Just you, sister. Infects the bride with its perversion. Great. Um... Fantastic. So as it has like glommed onto you, you too start to feel this need for it. And you feel yourself holding it to you and just saying, there, there, sweet, sweet angel. Um, and you will take one trauma. Oh shit. Uh, you, you've taken five trauma. All right. Uh, you're going to have some work to do here, which, oh, sorry, not which, sorry, mother. Uh, that's my bad. Because you, you said that, uh, Mother, you just hit five trauma. Yeah, come here. You've just shattered. We are no longer whole. Our connection is severed. Our mind is fragmented. Our deepest fears are exposed. Our blood feeds the horrors. And I welcome them. So what this means is that um, the mother is no longer um, is no longer somebody who can actively be trusted within you. It's like you've lost your connection to her. So from time to time, I might turn to mother and ask her what she sees happening within this room um, or within the horrors and ask her to take part in describing that with me. Um, but she can no longer actively participate in moves or rings or anything like that. She is gone from you. Um, it's completely, you've lost the wit, you've lost the mother. Sorry. All right. Animus, you were given the ring as, um, the mother just shattered. What would you like to do? You have this thing that is curling up onto you and you can feel yourself hugging it back and you've lost the mother. You can react to any and all of these things. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to caress a whore first. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just, so I'm in that I'm going to just continue caressing them, but I'm going to try to pry them off of me, uh, without necessarily them noticing or sort of remove, like pulling them sort of backwards. Um, but still sort of very gently and, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So carefully and, and gently trying to remove them from your breast, essentially, um, go ahead and, uh, and roll 2d6 plus blood. Um, six. Okay, great. Um, so unfortunately, you weren't super successful in getting it to um, fully detach from you. Um, but uh, what it does say um, very clearly to you um, is, uh, is, Mummy, don't you love me anymore? As it sort of like sinks into you, it's still separate. It's not, it's not still into your skin, but it's, it's still on you. Um, and it's these two these two uh, twins that are that are just glomming onto you in this room, uh, and then let's see, we will pass the ring. Oh, pass to the virgin. You're gonna pass to the virgin. Okay. Um, so you still have these things on you. Um, you are in a room full of stuffed shit. 
um, and an empty pedestal in the middle. You've got this toy set, you've got these animals, and you've got a rifle on the wall. Um, these are some things in the room in case you just needed another. Right. Right. And what's happening with the child? Thing? They're just they're just on you. They're just they're, they're just saying that they want you and they love you and they need you. It is becoming a little bit more um, violent as they're sort of trying to like basically tear into right. your to your breast. Right. Um, so I'm I'm going to to caress them further. Is that okay? Yeah, I think you could try yeah. to to caress them for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm I feel the backs of their heads with my hands and then I try to stroke them um, without trying to take them from me but try to stroke them yeah okay great yeah. go ahead and roll uh with roll plus uh blood two and three zero three you rolled a three yeah I rolled a three <laughs> The rolls are not on our side. Great. Um, so uh, as you were trying to pry them off of you, you hear distinctly from the other side of this room um, a, uh, a female voice saying, um, boys, get off her now. And then they just giggle in response. <laughs> uh, and you can pass the word. I'm going to pass it to the witch. I hate kids. <laughs> I absolutely can't stand children. <laughs> uh, all right. So we just had some. Did we see who said kids get off of her now? Yeah, you or can just, see it's another young woman that you're assuming um, uh, gave birth to these kids, but uh, is standing there. Great. So now we have three problems. Let's see. I guess we go with caress a horror. And going to offer to play with them. Ah, interesting. New tactic. I can't always choose violence. <laughs> We've had three Caressa horrors in a row, which I just think is funny, considering I think our first three were like definitely dirtying with violence. So we're just changing. It's fine. We're evolving. Yeah. You know, there's character growth, development, if you will. Okay. So I need to roll. How many do I roll to? Ah, uh, come on, please. It's another 10, because I got plus one. Uh, and so you're saying, I'll play with you? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Great. Um, and so, yeah, you are successfully able to get them off of you, and they say, oh, we're so excited, and they start to pull your hands with them to go in the opposite direction of the woman who is looking petrified. And you can see now that she is holding um, what appears to be... Um, what appears to be a very large, um, knife, uh, it's like a kitchen knife. Um, but she is, is terrified. And she says, I, I wouldn't, if I were you, um, as the kids sort of giggle, um, and take you over to their playset of taxidermied women. Well, I mean, my options aren't great. <laughs> I'm just gonna say happy knife, happy life. Okay. Hoping it's not like a voodoo situation. Dolls don't have any human hair attached to them, do they? Just <laughs> for fun. <laughs> any clothing items that like look like they were torn from something? Um, I would say that like the 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 set, I mean, it does look like they're dolls, but you know, they look like they have been meticulously made. And I'll say that while you're looking at it and you your eye is drawn to the empty pedestal um that is missing something, and then you look back and you can see that one of the um uh, one of the dolls has been, 
basically propped up as if it is in attack mode like the bear, but it's a female human-figured doll. Um, and you still have this woman with the knife, and she is refusing to cross the room, but is definitely holding that knife in a protective stance against herself from these two children. Well, sometimes you've got to befriend the villains. Like, that's just, I'm building an army of children, uh, apparently. <laughs> Don't question me. <laughs> Let's see. Um, the kids, are, are they holding the dolls? Are they actually like... Yeah, now they're playing with them and they're showing you how to string up uh, female dolls. Love it. I want to learn. Uh, Let's and learn. Also, you've um, you've caressed a horror, so you can you can pass the the ring. Awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Animus. Can I take stock? Did we we haven't done that in this room, have we? Did we I don't do that? Think so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, I want to. What does this place demand of the bride? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Almost as soon as you think that as you're playing with these boys who are looking at you with a smirk as they're stringing up this woman, um, you really do get the sense that the that the woman behind you, um, who's not crossing the other side of the room, um, feels like she's in danger. Like it's just like she's emanating all of this energy that would suggest like you have another room so that you are not that she does not feel safe and comfortable at this particular moment in time. Um and almost as soon as that kind of thought occurs to you, the two little boys look at you and they just sort of grab your your hands and they start to take you again towards the uh, towards the center of the room to the empty pedestal. And they say, let's play. Great. Well, um, I think I understand what's going on here now. Um, I am going to dirty myself with violence because that's th- these are not children. Um so are they, how close, uh, how, uh, can I grab one of the dolls? Like, am I close enough to grab one of the, to, yeah. Um, I am, uh, I'm going to grab one of the dolls and I would like to both rip apart the doll and then start trying to hit the children or stab the children or something with the like pieces of the dolls. <laughs> uh, in order to mutilate them, disable them. Yeah. In order to mutilate them. I'd like Fantastic. to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so go ahead and roll plus carnality. Nine. Awesome. Um, so yeah, you're able to take the pieces of the dolls and start stabbing them into these little boys who are giggling at you the entire time and going, Oh, mommy, stop that mommy. Um, but are definitely backing off as you are tearing into their flesh. And then they run across their room, um, to presumably their other mother. And they say, mommy, she was mean to us. You wouldn't be mean to us, would you? And she is also slashing back and forth at them um, as she screams, devil children, and it all um, comes crashing uh, down in front of you. You can go ahead and take one um, trauma, though, uh, for (laughs) hurting children. Um, Because, you know, that's fun. It was pretty fun, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great. Um, so they are at the other side of the room and their mother is currently dealing with them, trying to, to hack and slash at them. Um, but they do feel like they are fading, um, away into nothingness. And then you can pass the ring. Um, I'm going to pass it to the virgin. Great. Um, I think, can I propose the truth or do I have to do something before that? You can propose the truth. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think I'm done with this room. I think I learned a lot. And I think it's clear that before me, Bluebeard had a lot of, you know, bad luck in love. And he clearly 
was, you know, married to a woman who neglected her children. And that's what's going on in this room. And I feel really sympathetic to him. Um, so, you know, I think he's still loyal. I'm, I mean, I'm still feeling loyal to him. And I think it's just, you know, he's just a, he was in bad circumstance before me. Am I allowed to, as a fractured member of the psyche, to contribute to this conversation? Uh, excellent question. So um, as part of being shattered, unfortunately not. Um, and I'm sorry, I didn't ask you uh, to chime in because I knew that you were getting ready for something else uh, with our bad our bad stuff in our last room. Um, but yeah, at this point, you can't contribute to that conversation, uh, unfortunately. So we have a vote for faithfulness and she gets to make the final call. But does anybody else have something they want to say? I, I, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fight for it the way that I did last time, but I will just say, I, I, there's too many things are piling up. You know, I, I don't, I am not, I just, I, I'm, I can't say that this room, um, I don't have an argument for why this room sort of adheres itself to my other line of thinking with Bluebeard of sort of what else was going on in this house. But I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it either. I mean, it's really unfortunate what he had to go through before he met you know, us. So I just feel a lot of sympathy for him. So, you know, I'm, I'm faithful and, you know, can't wait to get out into that hall. Just to be clear, you do know that like you were like, when you consummate the marriage, the next step is this, right? Like this is going to happen to you. I don't see any, Virgin. no, I don't see any, um, evidence that this is definitely going to happen to me. Uh, Children attaching themselves to your body somewhat uh, indefinitely and also merging themselves as to, into part of your soul and psyche and becoming one with you for all time. Yeah, that's actually going to happen. Well, I think that, you know, the if the mother was still around, I think she'd also want this to happen because motherhood, you know, that's part of it. So that's part of what it is. And, you know, I will be a, a kinder mother than this mother was, obviously. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the children are better than these children. Yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, good luck to all of us with this. I I agree. All right, so what token are you going to take to represent your faithfulness? Um, I'm going to take uh, one of the small... a, a small animal, um, a taxidermied animal head catches my eye. It looks like it's a chipmunk. So I'm going to take that little chipmunk head and add it to the pile. I love it. Nothing says faithful like a chipmunk head. <laughs> it speaks to the virgin in a very profound way, which I just love. It's really I'll different. never leave you, babe. <laughs> exactly. It's so sweet and cute. And how lovely to have a little taxidermied chipmunk head. Um, awesome. So you are closer to proving that your trust in your husband is well-placed. So you all get to heal one trauma. And, um, here's what I'll say, because now we have reached, um, three faithful tokens. We have one shattered psyche, um, which is unfortunate, unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you have traveled these dark halls in search of a truth most divisive. Each room provided you with all the evidence you desired to make that one fateful choice. Now you stand before the forbidden final room and you must decide. You have two choices in front of you. You can either enter that room or you can look through the keyhole. What would you like to do? I'd say keyhole. Yeah, keyhole. Okay. Totally. Yeah. 
All right, you're gonna uh, look through the keyhole. So when you look through the keyhole, this is the, the final end game of this. Um, so we, this is more free form and we can just answer these as they come. What did the bride lose when she saw the horrors through the keyhole? Because we all know what's in the final room. Right, right. I think um, she'd lose hope. It would be almost like desperation. This is like panic, sheer panic of just like, I need to do something and I need to do it now. Agreed. But something that she really loses, a touchstone that she might have had or... Trust in anyone that is in this house. Yeah, or belief sure. in love, like the sort of romantic love. Yeah. Um, Everything. <laughs> I love that. Everything but her sanity. was right. gone. Yes. Yeah. Just everything else fucking gone. Um, what loving impulse kept the bride from going into the room? Because you all decided not to go in, which is very fascinating to me. There was hope. It's gone now, but I'm still not going in that fucking room. Yeah, I trusted him. So I wasn't going to go into the room. You know, big day, big, big first day in the house. We, we were most loyal. You know, yeah, we saw some loyalty before we walked up to this door. It was fine. Everything was fine. It was just a casual day at home. And I'm going to go crochet something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this one's better. How did Bluebeard reward you uh, for remaining loyal and not ever going inside? He did reward you. How did he do it? Does he know that we know what's in there? Up to you. Well, I think he gives my parents a lot of money. I think he like upgrades my entire family status like immediately. I guess he doesn't kill us. The reward. Isn't that's a <laughs> that's a reward. Uh, I mean, surviving is a reward. I'd like to be a little malicious. I don't know if he'd allow us to um, get rid of some of the people in his house. Mm. I'm not saying how. I'm not saying how. Just I'd, I'd like some options. He lets you hire a new staff? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's time for a turnover. We've just had too many people inheriting positions, some nepotism. We just need an overhaul. We need rebranding of this company. <laughs> Forcefully. <laughs> That's great. What is the bride's favorite room to spend her days in? One with windows. <laughs> with windows that open. A sunroom. Uh, not a parlor. That's where toys are. We don't like toys, I would say. A beautiful open sunroom. A green room. A little greenhouse of some sort, maybe, with plants, signs of life. When it's not sharp things. Yes. That would be my vote. <laughs> Anybody else? I'm imagining like a beautiful garden, like American Horror Story season two, like that just beautiful little open space. That's just. <laughs> and you can see like little animals running through. Yeah. They're that aren't also, severed. That aren't severed. Like They're also Yeah. Yeah. We got our little, it's our animal rescue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how does the bride cope with the horrors that she spied through the keyhole? Adopting animals and plants, just building a jungle in this room. She's turned them all into a story. They never actually happened. Oh, that's that's fucked up. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> all right. So the bride gets to keep her little trinkets of faithfulness and she holds them to her every day. And she continues to live in that house with Bluebeard. The end. 
Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Hornack, Nicholas Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertaldine. Our Bluebeard's Bride game features C. Meeks Meeker as the groundskeeper, Gina Famia as the virgin, Halea Roshan as the animus, Corey Flores as the witch, and Romana Isabella as the mother. Bluebeard's Bride was written by Strix Beltran, Marissa Kelly, and Sarah Doom, and published by Magpie Games. Find us on Facebook, in Twitter, and Instagram at DNDramaNerds. Check out our cast bios on our website, DungeonsAndDramaNerds.com, and tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Dungeons and Drama Nerds.